This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm your host, Dr. Dan. And our goal and mission at Parent Footprint is to create a loving world with more compassionate people, one parent and one child at a time. We believe that the key to raising happy, healthy, engaged, and aware kids is for us parents to be happy, healthy, engaged, and aware in our very own lives. We believe that awareness is the foundation of creating a vision of successful parenting. And if we're aware of who we are and what we want for our kids, we can design our own vision of successful parenting. Today's show, How a Day of Rest Can Save Your Life, is completely aligned with Parent Footprint and our mission. I'm excited to introduce to you to our guest today, Dr. Marilyn Paul. Marilyn is a senior consultant with Bridgeway Partners, which is a change-oriented organizational consulting group based in the San Francisco Bay Area. And their practice includes consulting to a wide range of companies and institutions on developing sustainable productivity. She's taught on the faculties of Yale Medical School, the Hebrew University School of Public Health, and Colby College in Waterville, Maine. Dr. Paul, or Marilyn, is also the author of It's Hard to Make a Difference When You Can't Find Your Keys, The Seven-Step Path to Becoming Truly Organized, which was named a Best Book of the Year by Spirituality and Health Magazine. She's also been featured in USA Today, the Boston Globe, the Chicago Tribune, Discovery Channel, MBR, and Yoga Journal. And she offers webinars through the Musar Institute and living in the San Francisco Bay Area these days with her husband and son. In her new book, which we're going to be talking about today, An Oasis in Time, How a Day of Rest Can Save Your Life, Marilyn shows that a solution for the modern sense of restlessness and pressure can be found in the ancient tradition of the Sabbath. Among the many profound benefits of taking a day off each week are the renewed perspective, enhanced creativity, and a refreshed outlook on life. Marilyn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dan. Very good to be here. Let's start with you telling all of us how this book came about. Well, there are two, two stages. One is I was in graduate school working very hard on my Ph.D., working what I felt was round the clock. Really, every weekend was work, every day was work, nighttime was work. I just tried so hard to get a lot of things done. I started running out of steam and actually got quite sick. So the first Mm -hmm. part of the story is I was just trying to get a lot done and slowly becoming less and less productive. 
and a friend introduced me, invited me to a Friday night meal, and I said, no, forget it. I'm busy. But after a while, he prevailed upon me, and I went. And in that moment, when I entered the room, I felt a sense of peace and joy that I knew I really wanted. So I Mm -hmm. learned very slowly how to bring this Sabbath time into my life, Shabbat. So that I learned how to do that. It took me years. And one of the things I say in my book is start slowly. Take an hour a week of what I call an mm-hmm. oasis in time. Start slowly. But then I wanted to write a book because we do this now. My family and I have a day off, an oasis in time, every week. And we need people to do this with. We're not Orthodox Jews. We're people who have found the amazing benefit of stopping every week. So when I tell people we do this, they say, oh, yeah, sure, well, you can do it, but I can't. I need eight days a week, not six days a week to get stuff done. And I say, you will be amazed if you stop once a week and just get off the clock and off the hook and put down your phone and put down your to-do list, you will be amazed at how much more refreshed and alive and connected you feel. And guess what? You get more done. I was going to say, and for those people who want to get more done, also more productive as a byproduct. Absolutely more productive. And I, I interviewed scores of people. Some amazingly productive people could not live their lives without Shabbat or a Sabbath. It's not just a Jewish thing. It's for all of us. Right. We all can create our own Sabbath. And something you said, which I think is really important, is this sense of community. Uh, I imagine you can start this thing on your own, but look how you getting invited to a community that shared this oasis in time seems like it was significant for you. Yes, I would say absolutely. You can start on your own and then... I talk about this in the book. You start looking around for people to share this time off with, maybe a long lunch or a morning with no phone time. But over time, it's very beneficial to share this beautiful oasis time with others. You know, and we are um, both of us located in the Bay Area. We know, just like other uh, lots of other parts of the country, that the work and the world does not stop. So it's almost like people feel you get punished if you try to have some work-life balance. And so, in a sense, people who are trying to have more balance oftentimes might feel that they're swimming upstream and they're going to get behind. And I I know people say this to you. So what, what what do you tell them? Well, let me just step back a bit. It does feel like we're living in a fire hose that it's relentless to-dos. You can't stop for a minute because the email piles up or the text messages. But what I often say to people is really have a look at what a day is like, and you will see that there's some amount of time spent on social media, then we get tired, then we're chatting with people, then we're... We're actually towards late afternoon. Many people are less and less effective. 
Mm-hmm. The beauty of the idea of, and I could talk about a day off right now, but let's just say an afternoon off or an evening off, mm-hmm. is that you collect all of those sort of ineffectual, floundering around moments, and you start to get motivated to say, look, I'm saving up these little moments of ineffectiveness, and I'm going to put them all together in several hours off each week. So first of all, I ask people to look at what are they doing now? Are they really nonstop getting things done? I actually don't know anyone like that. Right, right. And you, and you talk about, um, in your book, the idea of scheduling pause time, right? So yes. it, it, tell us about pause time. Well, the idea is that we want to pause on purpose. So look, we all have monkey mind, as they talk about in the Buddhist world. We yep. all get, just everybody gets distracted. There is no one who just sits down and works from nine to five. So we need to know in advance that if we can schedule breaks, schedule our pauses, and actually use them well. That using them well means maybe taking some breaths, walking outside, looking at a tree, looking at the sky, having a truly engaging conversation with a person, mm-hmm. maybe stretching a little bit, maybe having a glass of water. But we are built to be refreshed by rest. And so scheduling your pauses every day and just doing a little body scan, how am I doing, and meeting our needs. That way we don't get home from work or the end of the day. Let me speak to stay-at-home parents. The end of the day when you just have that exhausted feeling, the pauses can really help with that. And then, of course, those of us parents out there, like us, our kids are watching us all the time, right? They're learning from us. They're learning our habits, our attitudes. So I imagine this idea of teaching pause and rest um, can have tremendous benefits for our kids as well. And uh, how, do we, how do we do that? How do we teach our kids about this? Well, I really like what you were saying. We, we do it. Kids learn by watching us and I didn't start out with any kind of Shabbat in my life. And in my family growing up, the real goal was to do a lot and to get ahead. So I managed to deliver. I have an MBA from (laughs) Cornell and a PhD from Yale. And I've taught at major universities and I run a consulting firm. But in all of that... Oh, wow. You totally delivered. You completely delivered. Yes, and, and yet I could see that some of the things that were most meaningful to me, sort of that soul time, the connecting time, I love to cook, but having time for long meals when you're just sitting, I didn't have time for that. I was busy. So for, in my family now, Jonathan knows that we're off screens for a day. He doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. But we turn off the computer. My husband and I turn off our phones unless we have to text someone. We're not, some some days we are completely off. But if we have to text someone, we do that 
very consciously. Mm-hmm. And so we have a day, and I have to say, some days it's like, what the heck are we going to do together? But we think in advance, this is our family time. We have lots of board games and chess. We go for bike rides. We go up in the Berkeley Hills. We go down to the bay. And truthfully, I really have to think about it because we're all so used to going nonstop that when mm-hmm. we stop, it can be a little challenging. It, when Jonathan was little, it was really lovely because it was just time to be with him and hang out outside and be in the sandbox with him. But now I have a teenager, and it takes some thought. What will we do that Definitely. will connect all of us? Absolutely. And um, we had some, with our three teenagers, a couple of them went to a one-week summer camp where there was no, uh, there was a rule of no technology, which was wonderful. And then we had some camp, some mountain time where there was, uh, there's not internet. And I, I, it, I, what dawned on me was, for a long time, it was just us adults since the invention of email and internet, where we feel we would be buried if we don't, if we're not checking emails all the time. I wrote a blog once called Inbox-itis because I still have that, like, overwhelmed with the amount of emails and, like, obsessing on, oh, gosh, I'm going to have so many emails. But then nowadays with our kids and social media, they get a very similar feeling if they're going to miss these Snapchats, these Instagram posts, these multiple texts or group texts. That's what I'm looking for. And so we really do have to teach them and model for them. And I think actually respect the the pressures that are being put on them in our modern world as well, even though they're not in the workforce. Absolutely. I know um, my son said, Mom, I get on, there's 40 Instagrams waiting for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. how come you're making me? But, you know, he's used to it. He understands why we do it. And his friends understand. Everyone who we've slowly had to communicate my my neighbor kept texting me last Saturday, and finally I walked over to her house. I said, actually, I don't use it with someone I'm just getting to know. I said, I don't use my phone on Saturdays. And she said, oh, okay, she got it. Mm-hmm. But this is all a learning experience. I look at this as rather than saying, let's be orthodox, let's learn how to revisit a type of time when we're not distracted by media and we're Mm -hmm. not trying to get anything done. I have five gateways that I tell people, like, how do you get Oasis time? And one thing you do is you plan for it. You protect the time and you prepare. Another Mm -hmm. thing you do is you begin it and end it. It's not endless. Otherwise, it won't happen. You say, I'm starting when I wake up on Saturday or Sunday morning, and I'm going till noon. That's my oasis time. Then unplug. No computer, no phone, no, you know, Instagram, just for that amount of time. doesn't have to be forever. Unplug. Mm-hmm. And I always say to people, it can be scary to unplug because we're wedded to our devices. But you get used to it. And then life gets deeper and richer. And then the next gateway is slow down to savor. And when I say slow down, it's like 
slow your conversations, slow down your movements. Some of us are walking around the block so fast that we don't even see the flowers blooming. It's summer. Hmm. So slow down to savor. And then the final gateway is let go of achieving. And this is not... not Yes, it's such a good one. It's like, don't even try to get the laundry done. Don't sneak in. Even don't, don't try to achieve a better yoga pose. Just that whole mentality of improving ourselves, getting better, getting something done. We get kudos because we're productive. We put all of that aside. It's very weird for some of us. And then with Weird those five scary. gateways, yes, and, and, and then with those five gateways, you are face-to-face with yourself and the people in your lives, and perhaps with awe, because then things get amazing, perhaps with your higher power, and then you say, here we are on this magnificent planet, let's relax and play and reflect and connect. And, and, and it doesn't have to be a long time. And what, what I say to people is this does not happen even on vacation unless you make it happen. Right. Oh, I like it. So you're talking about creating this space to be present with yourself, with oneself, and with your loved ones. And this whole idea of, for especially for us achieving uh, perfectionist type people, the idea of not doing something better or getting something done or getting even more done is a totally novel concept. Totally novel. novel. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You just reminded me of something that happened recently. So, uh, a fellow colleague who is equally bombarded and overwhelmed by email sent me a TED talk. Great TED Talk about technology and how to manage it and studying. Uh, I think he was an organizational psychologist who studied how people spend their time, um, with, of course, a lot of it being on social media. And he talked about a company in, it might have been Denmark, who I know gets quoted for doing lots of uh, cool things, a company that when you go on vacation... It, the, um, and you email someone. So you're on vacation. The email response that the person who's emailing you gets is, this person is on vacation. Your email will not get to them. It will be lost in our system. So please email them if you wish when they return. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. So I had a week off uh, about a week ago, and I, on my... On my um, email response, I said, I'm away for a week. I said, if possible, please refrain on future emails until I return. I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as I can. And so this whole idea, I'm thinking about how you were talking about putting boundaries around your time and that the world will still move um, telling your neighbor uh, you just don't respond on Saturdays. And I came back to 50% probably of the emails that I would normally get in that time frame. It was liberating. Yeah, so it's great. That's a great example. But, you know, I think we can all work together to help each other out here. We can help each other understand that productivity is not what we think. Like, we think productivity is this. 
you do more, you get more done. It sounds mm-hmm. so true. The more you do, the more you get done. But if you look carefully at that, you often aren't doing the right things. You're not doing the most strategic things. You're not. And so we're passionate about checking things off the list. But often those things are disorganized. We don't group like with life. We're just maniacally going through the day, desperately trying to accomplish something. And then after mm-hmm. a while you see, no, we all know this. Do the right things. Do things right the first time. And it's not more productive to just do more. And you don't just get more done. You actually mm-hmm. get less done. Okay, I've got something for you here. You went to some very prestigious and phenomenal institutions. So you know what it's like to get into those institutions, and you also know the pressure that the modern student has in middle school, high school, to get a GPA and SAT and ACT scores and achieve at phenomenal levels just to get into a good institution and the pressures that come with that. So how, and, th- and that's going on everywhere, and it certainly goes on where we live. So how do parents help their kids be the best versions of themselves um, and meet their potential, but also teaching them about this pause and the stopping when their friends might be staying up for five extra hours or doing all this extra stuff, and we're trying to tell them, actually, it's healthy if we carve out this time for ourselves. How, how, do, how do you reconcile that? I love that question, and it's, it's not one I can answer briefly, but I would say this. Mm-hmm. More than anything, I think we need to teach our children that they are valuable for who they are, not just what they achieve. I know too many mm-hmm. young people who think that their worth is in their grades. We know there's an epidemic of cheating. There's, in in Mm -hmm. my hometown, Lexington, Massachusetts, there's a lot of not just suicide attempts, but actual suicides in the high school. And Mm -hmm. I think that what you're talking about asks all of us to stop and say, hey, wait a second. This whole process of schooling isn't getting these kids where they need to go. And look, some kids do this with ease. Their academic accomplishments come very easily to them. Others don't achieve academically so easily. And they, too, have value. And they matter. And somehow we have to stop hovering and trust them to become balanced humans who really can give back to a world that needs them as they are. It's a, that's a very important conversation. That's a very important conversation. Um, I love your response to that. Um, and maybe we're going to have to do another one of these just on that topic together because that is so, so important. It's who, it's who you are, not what you achieve and how much courage it takes parents to counter the prevailing belief when there is a lot of fear about um, our kids' future and sustainability and how to have that confidence of, of knowing within yourself that 
you're focusing on raising a solid, healthy person um, who values themselves. That's so important, Marilyn. And, and who empathizes. I mean, we're seeing that empathy among kids is going down, and that means they're not getting as much empathy, they're not empathizing as much, that there isn't time for that heart-to-heart experience. Mm-hmm. So the, the pause of an hour or a day can start with the pause at dinner. I'm mm-hmm. really struck having a kid, how many activities are scheduled at dinner time, and we're desperately trying to figure out, well, when is dinner time? If one set of activities is 4 to 6.30 and then another set of activities is 5 to 7, when are we going to eat together? But I'm a strong believer in making the food, which who is time to make food, and right. eating together and then having a little family connection time. But the forces are pulling us apart. It takes grit and determination as a parent to get everyone to sit down in one place. It certainly does, and we know from experience and research it is so, so important to do it um, as many times a week as possible. Yes. Okay, now, being the mindful and self-aware person that you clearly are, I'm excited to ask you about the parent footprint moment question. And as our listeners know, that is a moment that you, as a parent or as an individual, became aware of something about yourself, and that awareness had a positive impact on your child. This was a moment of awareness that my son brought to me. So I had this idea that I did not use my phone that much, and certainly not with my son. I was committed to keeping my phone off. There's, you know, books like Hands-Free Mama, which is a great book by Rachel Macy Stafford. So I thought I was one of those. And my son said to me, Mom, you're such a phone addict. You're on the phone all the time. (laughs) And I said, wait a sec. I'm not like the other parents. I keep my phone off. And he looked at me and said, you're an addict. And, and that was <laughs> me realizing that my self-talk was, oh, I just use it a little bit. Sure, I pick up or I text when I'm with him, but no problem. And what I learned from him was to stop. Nothing was mm-hmm. more important than being with him. Whether I'm driving, whether we're just doing nothing or we're in the yard, or whatever it is, to just put my phone on stun and don't answer it. Don't even look at it. Don't even look at it. Don't even look at it. So that's been a hard lesson for me. I'm improving, and luckily we do have our oasis in time where my phone is turned off for 24 hours. But I also had to learn to turn it off several times during the day when I'm with him. I love that. And I also, I love that, you know, in healthy families, when our kids bring something to our attention, for us to say, 
oh, wow, I didn't realize that. You're right. I'm going to work on it. How validating for them. Absolutely. You know, I, I, get, <laughs> I get some very hard feedback from him, and it's important that I listen. Marilyn, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. I recommend to everyone, go out and get an Oasis in Time, How a Day of Rest Can Save Your Life. You just got a tip of the iceberg by listening to Marilyn, and there's so many jewels in this book. Um, And I love how you uh, combine your uh, personal experience and just make this, make it so real for um, us to, uh, to, to, to just take in and know that, you know, it's inspirational. Hey, if you can do it, we can do it. Yeah. So please tell everyone where they can find you and find out more about uh, your work. My website is up. It's www.marilynpaul.com. And if you look for me, I'm on Twitter and I am on LinkedIn. I'm not much of a Facebook person right now, but please come to my website and you may download your quick start for a slow time and that will let you know exactly how to do this, even if you just do it once a month, even if you do it for an hour a week, it's all worth it to give us a chance to be off the clock and off the hook and enter our oasis and really enjoy ourselves and find new pleasures in life and in our kids. Beautiful. Everyone, Dr. Marilyn has just challenged you to find your oasis in time. So let's do that. All right, that concludes the show for today. We are grateful for you listening and supporting us at Parent Footprint. Please check us out at www.parentfootprint.com. Think about how you want to be. Think about being present. Think about being the person you want your children to become. And in doing so, I leave you again with the same question I always do. What footprint do you want to leave?